to you from the City of Roses. This is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Today, we are doing a first. What is that? Well, we actually recorded our clubhouse. Actually, we've tried three times, and we've only successfully recorded one clubhouse, and that's what today's episode is. We are going to have Ivy Bailey on our show, and we sat down with her and and talked about some fun stuff, which I will get into in just a second. But before that, let's do a couple quick announcements, and then we'll get into this episode. Apple Podcast, guys, we have a big promotion. We're doing that. You can get a $200 Amazon gift card if you write us a review. All you have to do is go to Apple Podcasts, write that five-star review, post it, screenshot it, and then send it to Paul at LashCastPodcast.com, and you will be entered into a drawing for a $200 Amazon gift card, guys. Come on. That's amazing. Also, guys, we have the LashCast Insider Club, which is the coolest club in the world, in my humble opinion, to be part of. What do you get for being part of this? Well, you get like discounts to our webinars, discounts to LashCon, discounts to our upcoming coaching program, and all bunch of other stuff as well as good helpful tips and such for your business so please go to link in our bio on instagram or in the show notes and you can click on the link in there and you can sign up today it costs you nothing also guys we want to hear you on our podcast we want you to get you on our clubhouse and interview there or get you on our podcast and interview on a another night of the week and we've been already i think i got two or three people already set up guys i mean bailey was one of these people that basically just met recently at LashCon, and then we had her come on here and do this clubhouse with us so this is your chance to come on the show but we need to hear from you so you need to email me your story, your idea, what you would like to talk about at paul at lashcastpodcast.com. Whatever, guys, anything is game. Just think of what could be helpful to people. What could you give to help grow our industry, encourage people? All of us have things that we do, you know, tips, things that work for us, things that helped us grow our businesses, or maybe things you've had to overcome when you build your business. Whatever it is, guys, send it to me, and then we will select some people to be on our show or join us in the clubhouse. Also, guys, we have LashCon tickets coming up in May, and we have our Lash Allergy course, which is going to be coming out any day now, so you can buy the tickets for that. And we have our Tustin's Lash Retention and Styling course that's available May 22nd, 23rd, or that's the dates when it's going to happen. Those ticket sales will be going up in April also, so a lot coming up. Okay, let's get into the interview let me set it up real quick. Ivy Bailey has been doing lashes, I believe now, I've, my notes aren't with me, but for about five years. And what she came to me, she said something that really was interesting to me. And she said, look, I went to a town. She's moved a few times and had to start over. And so she's done this, got kind of used to this idea of how to start from nothing. Well, she went to this town, knew one person in this town. And after six months of doing her magic, she was booked out for three months in advance. Okay, guys, so she actually knows a thing or two about building a business and doing it quickly, by the way. I mean, six months, that is really, really amazing. And many of you out there might be, you're trying to build your business right now, and it's been difficult, and it's not been easy. And she's going to give you really some tips on how she kind of built her business out, how she got her clients to become loyal and to talk about her and really add that extra ump. So hopefully, guys, you're going to get a lot of good information and tips from someone in the field doing it right now, and this will really help you you grow your business even if you've been seasoned and you're just looking for some new some new ideas i think you'll get some good stuff in this so get your pen and paper out pen or paper or your notebook or your computer whatever it is your iphone take some notes and hopefully you enjoy it otherwise let's get into this episode where we sit down with ivy and talk about how she built her business in the clubhouse Let's get into it. Ivy is someone we met. I think you correct me if it's wrong, but I think our first time we met you was at LashCon this last fall, correct? Yes, that is correct. Yeah, so it was really cool. In fact, I only think you had heard of our podcast yet, if I'm correct. I had not, which I'm super embarrassed about, but now I am a diehard fan and I was listening to you all day again. So (laughs) there is no shame in that. Let me just tell you one thing that I so remember about Ivy. She was like so bright eyed and bushy tailed, like sitting in the front row, the virtual front row and just being like, (laughs) tell me more. And she was so into it and participating. It's just like total dreams. I'm so excited to have you here because you bring the best. Thank you. 
Yeah, it was very cool. We hung out with Ivy. I can't remember if it was in Cheryl's room or if we met you in the VIP room that we had. I can't remember which one, but I just remember talking and hanging out with you and being really impressed. And it's great to add you meet more of our Lash family. So, and it's cool to have you actually here with us today. So let's get into it because I think a lot of people right now are trying to find new clients. So we're going to cover two things. There's one is how you kind of built your clientele from nothing. And then secondly, how do you retain clients? Some of the things that you do that are really special about retaining clients. We want to share some tips in that area. So first, tell us a little bit maybe how you got into lashing your background and all that. Okay, yeah. So starting from the beginning, I first got into the beauty industry about five years ago. I actually had graduated high school two years early, and I was ready to start my career. I had an opportunity to do an apprenticeship for hair, but in that little salon I was working in, there was this little lash room in the back, and I'd never seen lashes before or heard of them. I think I was 16, and I was fascinated by it. I am a very OCD type of person, and I just found myself back there on all my breaks, and I just said, that looks like something I would actually enjoy. I love working with my hands. And I was always just so amazed and asking them questions and just watching them do their work. Flash forward two years, I was finally licensed and I found my husband and we got married. And he was actually from Where did you Virginia. Find him, where did you find him? <laughs> I found him on the beach in Hawaii where I grew oh! up. So <laughs> it was great. <laughs> So I actually had kind of a fresh start. I was moving across the country to the state of Virginia, and I decided that was my chance to pivot out of the hair industry and into the lash industry. So I found a local spa that focused on lashes and were offering training opportunities and jumped on board. And that's how I initially got into lashes. Very cool. cool. So, that, so for you, that was the beginning of this thing where you came to town and knew no one. Is that correct? No, actually, that was just the very, very intro to lashes. I did lashes for a few years, worked with that spa um, until I was up to manager and then decided, hey, I can do this better on my own. And so I, I moved out of the spa, did the whole single lash room thing, built my clientele there between just making connections and trying not to take people from the spa, but sometimes it just, they follow you. Sometimes um, it happens. And yeah. And then um, I had actually just finally gotten my books full on my own and we decided to move back across country to be closer to Hawaii. And so I am now in Washington and I opened up six months ago and within the last couple months, it is just like, Momentum has really picked up, and now I am at 110% productivity, and <laughs> I'm drowning awesome. in clients. So That's it's been—I've been really grateful. It sounds like you're almost ready to raise your prices, huh? Yeah, I actually did raise my prices at the start of the year, and I was actually in a clubhouse with Paul recently, and I was like, I just raised my prices, and I'm still slammed. What I think I need to hire someone or train someone or something to kind of help take some of the load. So I'm in, mm -hmm. I'm definitely in that transition at the moment. That now, sounds like such good news. Yeah. I mean, as far as raising prices, let's, let's share this is obviously raising prices, is a common theme that you see people posting online and all that. And most people generally speaking, I don't think raise their prices enough if they're fully booked. How much did you raise them? What did they go from? Unfortunately, when I first moved here, I did feel that I had to lower them. I was starting out in the middle of COVID. So I started out the lowest I've ever charged. A classic full set was $135, I believe. Mm, bargain. Um, mm. Yeah. And I mean, in Hawaii, you would never charge less than, you know, close to 200 for that. So Virginia is kind of in between. So it's, it's a funny little town where prices are low and I was the new girl. So I didn't want to come on too strong. So I started with that for classic and then all the way up to like Russian volume um, was closer to about 175, 180. Still mm -hmm. incredibly low for me. Mm -hmm. When I raised them, I only raised each service by about 10 to 15 dollars. 
at the start of the year. So now I'm up to about 200 for the Russian volume and on the low end classic is like 145. So. Okay. That's something that I think would be really interesting. If someone's moving in the area, a lot of people don't realize that you actually, when you come in and you go high, even if you're, let's mm-hmm. say the highest, let's just say you, you've been doing this long enough that you know that your work is very solid. Um, position yourself as the most expensive person actually might give you a, a big lead over everyone else. It's people who want quality, right? They're, who want to, to buy the Hermes bag. They're not looking for the cheap. They'll right? pay They're for it. For like, yeah. They'll pay for it, right? So as a right. way to distinguish yourself as other people are looking at this, especially if you're moving in an area, the temptation is to be the cheapest just to attract people, which you will but you will, of course, but mm-hmm. there's another whole strategy go when say like, maybe actually find the best person in town, look at the reviews, look at their work and go, yeah, I think I'm as good as that person. And then go ahead and price a little higher and see you'll track the whole different clientele doing that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was the thing too, moving into a town where I knew absolutely nothing, even about, you know, the market or the demographic. And I was being told by the one person I did know in town that People will always try to barter, get your price low. They won't pay above a certain price. And I wasn't even sure that the the high-end clientele was around. I'm kind of in a small town in the middle of Washington in the mountains. It's not close to any big cities. So I still was higher than some lash artists. But I do feel like that might be a regret of mine. I feel like if I would have just come in with confidence mm-hmm. and started my prices high, I wouldn't be maybe quite so swamped now. (laughs) (laughs) And making more per hour too, by the way, which. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's it's tough. I get, I mean, the one thing I will say that I don't have a lot of experience working with people is the small towns because small towns is a, is a different, a little bit different dynamic than if you're a big metropolitan area, if you're in, you know, any of the major cities across the country where you have at least a half million or more people, you know, you can, there's always a crowd that's exactly the high-end group. There's always a high-end group. Yeah. I don't know. How big is your town that you're, your area that you're in? I'm not sure. I feel like I've heard my husband say there's like 50,000 people uh, or possibly more, but I have people drive from an hour away sometimes from other little small towns as well, hour to two hours. So we're just kind of nestled in the mountains here and it's not, not very large. I'm about almost three hours from some of the parts of Seattle. Got it. I think it's all about value. Like I remember, just to tell a brief story, a lot of people are really down on Groupon. But here's the thing. If you have a good service and you're like new in town, it's a great way to get new clients. What we found was that everyone has this opinion that, oh, don't do Groupon because those people, Groupon people are only looking for cheap and they're not going to pay your, they're not the clients that you want. But we actually found that the opposite was true. I mean, for sure, there's some people like that, that they're just looking for a bargain. But we found that it was even possible for people um, who can't found us through Groupon to stay with us and end up paying more for services because what was a value to them was the service and the quality. It wasn't the price point. And that's kind of what you're figuring out now, Ivy. It's like you kind of recognize that you didn't need to start off as low as you thought because your service has been proven to be good and people stay, right? So, right. Um, yeah, and you know what's wild is is even with my prices now, I am one of maybe two, maybe three lash artists that are at the top. So mm-hmm. I am one of the most expensive, even at the prices I am now, which is so, so wild to me. But again, just kind of the, the area that I'm in. So. so so what kind of thing, I mean, Paul might have his own agenda, but I'm super curious. What are some of the things, the top things that you think are the reason for that success? What are the things that you know your clients connect with you and are willing to pay top dollar for? For me, if I had to say the top three things that I feel like attract people and keep them coming back, for one would be the quality of the service and the perks. Um, You know, going out of your way to create a space that as soon as people walk into, it is so welcoming from Mm -hmm. anywhere from the smell to the temperature to the music playing in the background. I think that the environment that they enter into they they feel like they're separated from all mm-hmm. the stress and the madness and they've come into a really safe space 
And then from there, just, I guess the way I try to treat my clients, I feel like client education is so important. And I'm always amazed by how much people really do want to know in detail. I will Mm -hmm. always tell them, stop me if you get bored. But they kind of love when I when I tell them why I have, you know, so many humidifiers in this dry town and how that affects their lashes and the really nitty gritty details and differences between hybrid and volume and all the different styles they're hearing. And they finally start to develop that trust and comfort. And they'll say, oh, I noticed this lash artist did that. And it always seems so weird to me. And sometimes it's something that I can actually explain to them and say, that's actually normal. That's a good thing. And they don't feel so frightened by the sounds and sensations they're feeling with their eyes closed. Or other times I try to educate them and let them know, hey, that's something if you feel or notice that happening, that might not be the best lash artist for you. And that's something you can look out for and not always assuming they're going to be with you and giving them that education so that they can feel a little bit more knowledgeable going in and deciding whether a lash artist is professional and safe and right. so on. I really like what you said. It's like what you did in some ways is just kind of by what you said is that you just kind of narrated what was going on in the room. Like why, let me tell you why I use these humidifiers. And that's a tip for all of our listeners right now. It's like, you may think, well, how could I do the same thing that Ivy's done? But all you have to do is think like, even with the way that you sanitize your tools, you can be like, when I sanitize my tools, you know, just even just saying something as simple as state board, like I sanitize them in the quads and then I put them in this little pouch. It's just for your safety. I mean, just by narrating the things that you do and bringing it to their intention, it creates a conversation and it makes people feel special about what you're doing. So I don't know, that's kind of like um, just an idea, right? Yeah, I completely agree. Every little step that you do, I feel like I've even heard you say this before, you know, when when you're applying the gel pads, tell them how it's going to feel and why and even how it shouldn't feel, you know, and letting them know everything you're doing as you're doing it. They just feel so comfortable. Exactly. It's like even with um, this type of tweezers that I use are diamond coated. And if the tweezers strike each other, it sounds like a metal sound. And so one of the things that I always do, if it's a new client, I say, I rub the tweezers together. And I say, this is the sound that my tweezers make when they rub together. I promise you I'm not cutting. I mean, as ladder artists, we know that we're not cutting, right? But if you put yourself into the new client's shoes and think sometimes they hear a metal sound, they think, oh my gosh, what is she doing? Just by narrating what you're doing, this is the sound, or even, I'm not saying treat them like toddlers, but you're kind of like trying to make everything that you're doing sound interesting and educational, right? So you're just saying, this is the sound that they make. I promise you I'm not cutting, but I use a diamond tweezer because of XYZ. It helps me get a better grip on things. Or, you know, you could say anything about the tweezers that you use. I I buy the best tweezers from this company because I really like how they work. You don't have to, you could just actually use what you already have and just talk about it in a different way. And people will be like amazed, right? Definitely. They always want to hear more. I always think I'm going to be geeking out on them, but they're, they're just as fascinated as I am. So, okay. So you also talked about making sure that the environment is right. Like the smell and, and sounds and everything like that. What was, was the impetus for that? Did you have that customer background or did you take the approach when you first moved to Washington and say, this is what I want to do, what I want the client to feel when they first walked in? How did you tease all that apart? I definitely did have an overall aesthetic and image and a theme that I wanted not from the second you walk into the door throughout your entire entire service and even in the communication you have before and after your appointment I wanted it to be at a certain level And Mm -hmm. I also wanted to portray a certain ambiance. And a lot of that is actually centered around the name of my lounge. I did choose a Hawaiian name. The name is Luana. Um, It's called Luana Beauty Lounge. But the actual meaning and definition of Luana um, in Hawaiian is lovely. It means enjoyment. And it actually means to relax and enjoy one's pleasant surroundings. And... I just really wanted to encompass that in every detail that I could in my business. So 
I definitely did sort of play up the Hawaii side of things. I feel like people love Hawaii. And when they can connect something to something that they love, they immediately have you know, more admiration for it. And Mm -hmm. the second people hear you're from Hawaii, they're like, wow, that's amazing. So I felt like that was a little bit of a way to sort of have a theme. And, you know, when you go to those tropical paradises, right, there's those smells of whether Mm -hmm. it's the tanning lotion or the pina coladas, right? Like, Mm -hmm. they give you that experience and that sort of ambiance. And so I did try to incorporate that without overdoing it. And I'm always diffusing oils that are relaxing. And I've even had clients that come in super stressed and their eyes are fluttering and Mm -hmm. they're having a hard time laying still. And I just get out my lavender and have them breathe it in. And within minutes, they're calm and about to fall asleep. So, okay, that's great. um, Let's talk, let's tease that apart real quick. So what do you mean? So they're stressed out. You say it, do you say, Hey, you're so stressed out. Smell this lavender. Like walk us through (laughs) that. What does it look like? Of course, they usually apologize, right? And they Mm -hmm. acknowledge it. And they're like, sorry, I'm just, I drank too much coffee, blah, blah, blah. And you'll say, that's not a problem at all. I always reassure them, you know, I'm used to eyes moving, right? And so don't feel like you're making my life any harder. But I do want you to have an enjoyable and relaxing experience today. Mm -hmm. If you don't mind, I would love to have you just breathe in some lavender. It's an essential oil. It'll sort of go into your senses and you'll immediately feel a little bit more calm. It's a pleasant smell and they never, they never turn me down. They're like, Oh wow, that actually sounds amazing. Thank you. And you know, they then from there, I just, yeah, let them know this is their time to relax. So. Oh, I love it. So what you did was you kind of normalized their feeling of like, Oh, like they're apologetic because they know that they're high stressed and you just say, Hey, it's okay. I'm used to it. It's not going to, you know, it's not like you better right. stop shaking or blinking. Otherwise your lashes are going to be ruined. <laughs> it's exactly. not like <laughs> And then you say, Hey, I'm just going to like, want you to breathe this. That is great. I'm going to start using that. That's fantastic. Please do. Yes. So, okay. So it sounds like you have a theme. It starts with the name of your salon and then like everything kind of surrounds around that. That's really inspiring. That's something that I think we all can do is we can kind of think it's almost like a shot in the arm. Like what are some of the things that we stand for? We want our salon to be, how are we small ways that we can improve that by adding different smells or different themes? Now you talk about music. What kind of music do you have? I would say I I like to change it up because I personally, you know, get tired of it. But there's actually an artist I almost swear by. So many people comment on it and love it. And her name is Alina Baraz. She's not crazy popular, but it's something that does have some vocals with that you know, very soothing voice, nothing overbearing. I'm never playing, you know, today's hits or anything Mm -hmm. like that. It's definitely always something lower tones, a more smooth sound, or even when you enter into the waiting room, I'll just have simple spa music playing just to give that sort of environment. Let me just jump in for a sec, Tess, uh, because I what you mentioned your name and all that stuff, which I thought was really interesting because there really is something to be said about name. Not just some brand, because lots of people talk about branding. The branding is really the image of what people think of you when they hear your, about your name, right? It's like, oh, they hear Lash Cast, and hopefully they think very intelligent conversations that help Lash artists. I don't know. But whatever it is. <laughs> Definitely. And so Lash Cast has its own thing. And you, but I like that you, you look like Untamed Artistry. Cheryl built a company that's really aims to serve the nerd community of our Lash world, right? And a lot of people felt like outsiders or outcasts. We're not part of the in kids. But she built this image that really welcomed people in and they loved it and they were attracted to it. And I think with you, this whole idea of building a like Hawaiian brand is huge. Like it, it just probably said the right thing that when people want to think about relaxing beauty, a lot of people think Hawaii, they think getting away, they want you know, all that type of thing. And I think having that kind of name persona really would help your brand to be sold more easily than someone else, you know, trying to, you know, come up with some really clever lashes, love and, you know, and lo- lollipops or whatever. And so, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's cute maybe, but it's maybe not the same enticing, relaxing kind of thing, which I think Luana gives you that sense of feeling. So I'm assuming 
part of that might have been the reason why it helped you. And some people get maybe a little bit too cute or think too hard to come up with really clever names. And I think coming up with a name that really attracts your ideal client is uh, one of many things that will do it. But I'm going to bet you that was one of the things that really helped you when you landed in Washington and it's raining all the time there. And people are like, man, I wish I went somewhere it was nice. Oh, that's right, Hawaii. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah. it's like, kudos on that one. Thank you. I did put a lot of thought in that. And I always hear people say, you know, on these podcasts and when they're giving advice about not being too hung up on your name, right? Or your brand, you got to just get out there and get started. And I do agree with that. I will say the first few clients I had, I was still in the background putting together this idea that I had. And I actually have a few clients that the first client I had was at my sister-in-law's house. And she texted someone before she came in and said, I don't know where I am, but if you don't hear from me in an hour, call someone. (laughs) So, you know, I really had clients start from the ground up. It definitely wasn't something for me that I had this vision and just went after it right away. I was actually in the space that I am now with just, you know, gray, walls and gray commercial carpet. And I just had my simple little setup in the corner. And I said, bear with me, my vision is coming. And those clients did stick with me and got to actually watch it kind of come to life. And I so appreciate those people that supported me before all the frills. But um, I just I got definitely tried to network from the start. And I think that I did want to touch on to a few things besides the brand and the name that I felt like really helped catapult my business and really get my name out there when I didn't have much for a network. Let me just jump in. Go ahead. One point and <laughs> yeah. We'll get into that because I just want to okay. land on something there that I think is really key. You said that people need to realize a lot of us are perfectionists. We keep thinking we got to wait until we launch it. And it sounds like for you, you just started doing because one, you just had to. You didn't have t- time was on your side. You landed. You got to start making money. So, like you said, you built it as you went, which is okay. Like you don't have to have it the perfect, blown out, beautiful salon. I mean, Tustin, when she moved to the location we have in Pasadena, and she, which we eventually built our salon in, it was just her by herself with cement floors. No, 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 walls. No, no, no. But, let, let me let me correct you. It wasn't cement floors because that would be kind of cool. The floor that we had was. <laughs> yeah particle board do you know what particle board it's oh, so yeah. cheap it's so cheap that it's made of sawdust with glue right mm-hmm. so that's particle board and it wasn't flat you think floor has to be flat it was actually warped so it rose in the center and the outside of the floor was like depressed and it was like painted green so that, that was well, my floor oh my yeah I, I was referring to the other place we moved to in 2010 when you had yeah. a big 1500 square foot place with yeah. one person working by yourself and the floor was not done the walls weren't done and we just said, you know, we're going to build it as we go. And over the next like, four or six months, I think we fixed it up, got everything painted, got everything to put in, the flooring, and we took off from there. So I just wanted to say that because a lot of people I know seem to be procrastinators and come up with reasons why not to do something. And it's just better to do and figure it out well, as you go. I think that a lot of us creative types um, tend to think that, you know, we have a vision for what it's supposed to be. And if it's not perfect, it's really hard to own it. I know for me, that's always been hard. I mean, your philosophy has been always like ready, shoot, aim. Not and it's shoot, kind of, aim. shoot, ready, aim, right? Yeah. And it's, it's <laughs> like, yeah, you can mess that one up. But it's like, if we think about it, it's not permanent. It's not like a tattoo. It's not like you can't remove it. It's like you can change if it doesn't work out, right? You know, if you can totally do that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. So anyhow, that all said, I just want to point that out because I thought that was an important thing to just highlight because kudos to you, Ivy, to have that kind of heads up to just do it and work it out. And not, I don't know if you apologize. You don't have to always apologize. Just let clients know where you're going and most clients will follow with you. They're not going to be worried as long as it doesn't stay that way. <laughs> it's like Definitely. So, all right, let's get into like some other stuff that you did that you felt like that helped you to attract and build your clientele that you found to be very useful. Yeah, I would say starting out from my home, I definitely wanted to start making income so that I could then reinvest it into the company. So I started with social media. You know, social media is so involved in our daily lives anymore, and it's a great tool. So I tried to find some influential people in the area that seemed to be, you know, that type of person that had an image, had a following, and that following was really local and sort of held themselves to a standard. And, you know, there's those girls out there that are 
very influential and people want to know what they're doing to maintain that image. So I picked two or three and I reached out to them and offered to do their lashes either for free or at a discount. And if they enjoyed their service, I asked them to share it on their profiles. And believe it or not, that was even bigger than I thought it would be. Just sort of getting the word out to their little groups and networks and webs of people got started to get people's attention. And I tried to make sure, you know, my Instagram was professional and presentable so that I was ready for those eyes that were coming onto my page to have something to look at. And then sort of once I started to gain that exposure and I started to have people that were local that were realizing, oh, there's someone new in town. I um, decided once I was ready and had my professional space and I was ready to truly take appointments, I did a giveaway. And I definitely went all out with it. And the response to that was absolutely overwhelming. It was amazing. It made me feel so much better. It was kind of a, a breath of relief, right? I was in this new town and didn't know if I was going to be able to succeed or take off like I wanted and had this lease I was signing. And it was just like that amazing response I was looking for. So I actually had to end that early. I couldn't keep up with the responses. I had over a thousand comments and I was trying to do it all by writing it down and it was a mess. So (laughs) I was super, super grateful for that giveaway. And that definitely got me the exposure I needed locally. And from there, it was just building my clients. Let me interrupt you because I don't, you're, you're throwing them all out and this is great stuff. I want to break these down a little bit because right. there's okay. different things you've done here. So first, you actually got your clients to, you say, promote you in a sense on their own pages. So you would you like be there and have them take a picture of them and then you have, and then they would tag it with you or how did you get them to promote? Yes. You? I definitely tried to take really great before and afters. That was huge. And then I would pre-edit them, make them look nice and clean and professional, of course, post and tag them. And then I would also help them take some videos they felt really confident in so that they could just post the video a little bit more casually and say, oh, I love my lashes I got today by this person and tagged me. So just kind of helping them through that. See, see that's something I, be honest, I have not heard anyone teaching that in our industry because everyone you know most of the trainers out there teach how to get more lash artists to follow you and that's not because they're being facetious or anything that's just because that's what they do all the time but the idea right. of getting your clients to be your promoters is brilliant and i think a lot of people could really utilize instagram a lot more effectively because a lot of people are not going to are saying use instagram to get clients and all that which is tough unless you get your clients to become your promoters right that's really where it is because they have their two three four five hundred followers and they post a picture of them looking great and their friends like it also now that's real eyes looking at you versus lash artists you know liking yourself and promoting you so did you have a page that was just focused only on the local people there your follower your community or did you have kind of people from all over the hawaii you know back east and lash artists and all that Yeah, my page was all over the place. Yeah, I definitely had other lash artists that I connected with. I had Hawaii friends and clients and Virginia friends and clients and no one from Washington yet. So that was one thing that helped me just sort of get into this network and this market, right, was finding people locally that obviously would have local followers. So. Yeah, and that's that really, was really helpful. Yeah, and that's how you utilize it versus what a lot of other people are with even geotagging is not always, I think, that effective because most people go on Instagram to verify you exist. They don't go there, generally speaking, to find cl- uh, business. Like most people are going to go to Yelp or Google to find a local artist. And then once they see you, they go to your Instagram, see your photos, see your work. But you can totally shortcut that by using your clients pages to promote you by giving them that the photos or tagging them and having them reshare on their pages so i think it's huge it's a great way to communicate locally because instagram is so broad that you really need to le- learn skills to micromanage it in a sense and get to really hit only your local community because no good advertising the people in sacramento when you're in washington so second thing then you did was a giveaway now for the giveaway Again, because you have this page that's all over the place. So how did you get people in your local community? Because I'm guessing, well, first, what did you give away? What was the thing that you gave away? 
So I gave away a full lash service of your choosing, as well as a full size aftercare set with the lash brush, the full size wash, all the good stuff. And same thing, I had had a couple of those influential people that were already my clients. So I knew that they were going to repost it for me. And giveaways are one thing, at least in this town, I have noticed that the second one person posts it locally, and it is a local service, anyone who is from that town that sees that, hey, this is an option, and it's actually just a mile down the street from me, it seems that much more attainable. And I feel like they put in that effort to enter that giveaway. Whereas when it's a, you know, nationwide giveaway, I feel like people are less likely to jump on it and feel like they might actually have a chance at collecting that prize. That's great. And for a local giveaway, you said you got a thousand people, a thousand posts, I guess, where people doing whatever your rules were. Yeah, a thousand comments, which was only one of the ways to enter. But from there, I had people, you know, they had to share it on their story. So I know I was probably getting at least 100 more eyes on that post. And I had about a thousand more story shares. And I could really just see that web growing and more and more eyes coming to my page. And I was getting millions or not millions, sorry, tons and tons of followers. It felt like millions at the time (laughs) just coming in. So that was really, really helpful. And definitely, I always recommend that there's a there's a hairstylist that just came to town. I said, do a giveaway. And overnight, she's booked up a lot more. So I feel like that's definitely a great thing to have in your back pocket when you feel like you want a little boost. That's great. I'm sorry I had to drop out because I some arrowhead water called me. And then I had no sound after I hit no. It, it, I, I hit do not disturb. Oh, well, because it worked. Um, <laughs> it was fine. It was seamless. Oh, it was seamless. Yeah. All right, cool. I just it missed was. a little bit there. But that I, I think for a lot of people getting giveaways, I mean, personally, I feel like giveaways in, on the whole and Instagram have definitely declined because it seems to be less impact. I can't verify it, but I've seen a bunch of people do giveaways and where I used to see hundreds of that, a thousand likes or, you know, shares, all that stuff. Now I'll see, you know, hundred, 200 or something like that. And it seems like, I don't know if Instagram is, is actually nerfing giveaways. I feel like there might be something going on there where you're just not getting the same reach that we used to get, but that's still, I think for a local community, that's not a bad idea. And especially when you get your own people in your, that like you already to start being your brand ambassador and in a sense, pushing you in the community. That's a great idea. And another way to go out getting yourself out in the market. All right. So yeah, that was another two. So let's go on. I know you were about to share another one. So go ahead. Yeah. From there, it's kind of along that same line of getting that exposure through social media. So when I did finally have this first, the, the client come into my space, I wanted my space to be a place. And that's where I sort of use the term, have a space that's Instagrammable because then it cuts out the fact that you're having to ask people or discount people in order to get them to put you on their social media. These days, if you have a girl walks into a coffee shop, a hair salon or a lash lounge, and it's cute, it's, um, you know, aesthetically pleasing, and it's somewhere that they feel attracted to and impressed by, or even just a cool spot, they're going to want to take a picture and say, hey, look at where I'm at today. You know, they kind of want to show it off a little, right? So mm-hmm. that was one thing that was massive for me was sort of almost setting up a photo op, whether it was a tall selfie mirror with a gorgeous big fig plant next to it and some cute decorative elements. That way I sort of just laid it out there for them when they were waiting to come in for their appointment. As soon as they walk in, they had that instant photo op and it was amazing. People were jumping on it left and right and tagging me and sort of it was doing the work for me. I no longer was having to try to promote myself and do my own stories all the time. I was just reposting everyone else's because the second they came into the space, they wanted to share it. So I felt like that is something that's really, really huge and can sort of take some of the work out for you. You just decorate and let them come on in and share it for you. That's brilliant. And then do you put any of your logo or any sort of branding in the picture? So when people took it, they, they could even see without saying you, your name, they'd see yes. the name of your salon or business. 
Yes, definitely. Absolutely. I have a sign right on the door as you come in. It's like another inner door. It's got my logo and my branding. And I built another big sign that was more 3D and had the same color scheme, the same aesthetic. So there are definitely little splashes of my brand here and there. So no matter which room they're in, in the lounge area, I have those little plugs in there. So that's great. And that's something that I know that I've I saw a lot of that going on probably three or four years ago, maybe even five, six years ago. I started people building Instagram walls, right? In their salon. I know uh, Lorena from Dear Lash Love really inspired a lot of people with her wall that she built at her salon. And then I started seeing it everywhere. But I haven't seen a lot of people talking lately. Maybe it's just a given that people do it, but it's a good reminder because I think people really can create that little cute space that does all the work and heavy lifting for you. I know that when we did LashCon in 2019, we intentionally built and you know places that people would want to get their pictures taken and we just we actually had a couple sponsors who said your only job is to build a booth where people want to get pictures and that's all you have to do you have to if you want to sell product great but really want just is we want as many places so people could go four five six places we end up with like six or seven i think places where people would want to take pictures and then and all of those pictures always had LashCon in it so no one whenever they would take a picture even if they didn't tag us you know just by the sheer uh, photo you see well it's LashCon because that's the name that's in there along with the picture and the background the balloons flowers whatever the people put in it so I think that's a great way to promote yourself without having to ask like you said yeah I completely agree with that that's that's really brilliant I love that Cool. What anything? Any other tips that you use to help build you from uh, one friend, I guess, in the community up to a waiting list that you have right now? Well, I mean, as you can probably tell by now, I could go on and on and ramble, but I guess I'll just lay out a few options, and then if you guys want to dive deeper, we can. I have sort of my aftercare kit I've included, and trying to give them those those perks and extra things, and then as well as you know my note taking system. What do you think? people or you would be most interested in aftercare what do you think Tess well I think both of them can we can we talk well talk about the aftercare first yes yeah, okay. we'll do these two <laughs> and then we'll open up the floor to any questions that anyone else might have and we'll go from there since we've been okay. almost you know, 50 minutes now so we're doing good so yeah aftercare what do you put in your aftercare because I think most people just think what a some cleanser Please, or something like that great yeah. So I tried to be a little bit strategic with it. I definitely wanted them to have something that was really high quality. And again, sort of trying to keep even just as something as simple as a color palette and having that overall aesthetic throughout every step of the process. It just helps them really keep your place in mind. So for my aftercare kit, I definitely tried to make it exciting. I had a nice little bag. I have a full client card. So for every new client I ever take, whether they are a full set appointment now or a coming in for anything else lash related, I give them this kit and I explain to them, you know, the steps of aftercare and all the different things and education items they need to know. But I always try to assure them that they don't have to memorize all the information I'm spewing at them right now. I include a little card that has some reader friendly sections, whether it's do's and don'ts of lashes, things to look out for. And then of course, just little tips and tricks of extra things you can be mindful of in order to extend the length of your lash retention. From there, I do include a sample of the cleanser. I actually carry Borboletta's aftercare line Mm -hmm. in my lounge. So I purchased the sample from them and included in the kit. And it's a good amount that lasts them about a month. And then from there, they know that I carry that. So in the future, I know I will most likely, I would say nine times out of 10, have that sale. And when they go to look for more lash aftercare, they will come back to me for that because I'm giving them something that when they run out of, they know they come back to me for that instead of going somewhere online or something I don't carry. And then, of course, I include the brush. I do a hands-on demo with them, their first appointment, and really try to go in as much detail as I can on how to wash your lashes, you know, the pressure to use, the amount of product to use, what towels to use and what not to use, and things like that. So just really trying to make them feel like 
They are set up for success and they have all the tools that they need right away. They don't have to necessarily purchase more. I include it in the price of the full set. And that way it's not really an option. I felt like in the beginning when I made the aftercare optional, I'd say, you know, here's your lashes. I'm ready for you to take great care of them. Oh, and by the way, if you want to add these items on, this is going to be the best way. They would about half the time say, oh, I think I have something at home that will work. But now that I've kind of made it non-optional and I've included it and handed them the tools for success, my retention has gone up dramatically. And that, of course, with lash retention, I feel like your client retention grows as well. See, that's you being a leader. And I do the same thing that these are the products that you need. And they will say, I I want it or I don't. But it's like, this is what you need. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's not an option. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. So I would say that that is sort of the gist of my aftercare as far as the whole little kit. I do include a few extra things. So sometimes I'll add like a little under eye mask or gel, kind of the gel pads that are for Mm -hmm. at home use and even, you know, like some on brand chocolates, you know, Um, little fun things like that never hurt. Now, do you sell the gel pads too? Yes. Okay, great. Yeah, fantastic. Well, I was going to say, well, the great thing about all this stuff is when you give it away, but you sell it, so they buy, get it for free the first time in the future. They love it. They'll buy it in the future, right? So there's some that, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, I don't want to give anything away. I mean, I remember with this one company, I knew they were selling their spoolies. And I was oh like, my it's like, come on, it's hard enough that you can give them some free spoolies. Stop that. Yeah, I definitely do give them a good three, four spoolies the first time. And then every fill, they're getting more spoolies. And they're like, wow, I have these everywhere. And I'm like, that's great. Brush your lashes. Yes. <laughs> we have some people been with us this whole time, which has been really nice. Thank you for everyone for taking out an hour of your night on a busy Thursday, I'm sure, and uh, hanging out with us. It's been super cool. And so if anyone wants to come on and talk about anything about building the clientele, how to make your clients feel special, Ivy has obviously shared some wonderful tips. I hope you guys have been taking notes and try some of the stuff. If you haven't, hopefully you will. But uh, if not right now, I'm going to leave a few more seconds here for people to jump in and ask a question. For those of you who are new, by the way, the way you do is you hit that raise their hand function on there. And we do. We have someone. Oh, someone did. And then she took it down. And Ashley, all right, we're going to let you in. Let Ashley jump on the stage here. It's just her very first time. Hey, welcome. Hi. Ashley. <laughs> This is my very first time using this, so I apologize. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, you're doing great. I, I think you were about a half hour before this thing. You're the one that reached out and said, can you give me an invite, correct? Yes, yes. That's me, Queen Lash by Ash. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thank you. So I had a quick question. So I was listening to your amazing story and your journey, and you did mention something about having your environment be aesthetically pleasing. Is there any tips specifically that you can give to us other lash artists for advice on how to do that? Yes, definitely. I really feel like when you do sort of go in with your idea for your design for a space, one of the most important things I have noticed is sort of choosing a theme, choosing a brand and a a color palette. Even for me, I had noticed before when I tried to trail off on different styles or brands before it, it was confusing to the client because I had too many colors or too many sort of themes going on. So I would say, try to pick one and really stay true to that. For me, you know, I tried to stick with light and very warm tones. And so as soon as you walk in, it's a bright, but soft place. Someone might like something more modern, whatever it is, try and stay true to that from every corner of your space, from waiting room into your service room, and just sort of make your statement and your theme very, very clear to the client, no matter where they are. Okay, definitely. That makes sense. I know for mine, I've been lashing for about two years now, so I am still learning a lot in the game. And my aesthetics and my theme has always been a very light pink, like rose petals, blush colors. Mm-hmm. So I've always tried to add like cute little posters on the walls or little canvases that are light pink and stuff like that. So I'm always trying to look for new ideas to basically make my environment a little more inviting. So I like that you talked about the plant because everybody's a plant person nowadays. So it's funny it's <laughs> that you, you mentioned that because like, I'm like, you know what? I think I might have to do that. 
add a little cute little plant in there in the corner just to make it look nice and inviting and pretty and give the room a little bit of life. So I could definitely yes. see why you said that, definitely. I love the idea. I don't know if it was you or if it was Paul that mentioned the mirror thing where, you know, the clients can take pictures and your brand or your logo is somewhere around there for that extra exposure. That was a really smart move. Yeah, yeah, your space sounds like it's it's beautiful. You have a great vision going. And sometimes just adding those few things really give clients that clear image of what you're trying to provide. Yes, definitely. That makes sense. And then I had another question. So when you said the lavender uh, essential oil part, that was pretty awesome. So is that something that you normally do for clients that come in and they feel like they're rushing through and they're having a stressful day? Or is it just something you just do it right away and then it just kind of relieves their stress? Yeah, you know, I would say it's not something I do for every client, not necessarily everyone needs it. But there's definitely those people that come in and you can tell they could use something a little extra to get them sort of in the mindset that this is their self care time. And I would just say to definitely give them the option, don't make them feel pressured. And it's nice because it's not very invasive, you're not touching them. Usually, you know, people get uncomfortable with anything like that more than what's necessary for the service. So just the fact that you can even offer to place it in their hands and you instruct them to rub it into their palms and just take a deep breath and it's just something a little bit extra and a little bit different that people around you probably aren't doing and they'll feel that much more pampered and really thought of yeah no that makes sense I always like stress and I always make the emphasis with like this is your me time this is the time where you can take a nap this is the time where you can just relax leave everything out the door you're gonna wake up with beautiful lashes so I will definitely take that advice thank you so much for sharing that thank you so much for listening yeah and thanks for joining us there super cool to see you just jump right in there not scared or anything your first book couple hours from the clubhouse and here you are on the stage that's really cool yes yes i'm definitely one person that loves to learn and i I, i'm always inspired by other lash business people that are very successful and you know they were at a point where i'm at where i'm you know a little struggling trying to get advice trying to bring over my clientele so hearing all these stories and all this advice really helps me stay motivated and determined to build my business yeah, there's now 15 years or almost 16 years of experience of people doing stuff. So Ivy's been doing this four or five years, it sounds like. Everyone has these stories. And what's so cool is hopefully we'll get more people on here to share it and share this wisdom and insight so that, you, you know, people who are a little bit newer will be inspired that, yes, we've all been there. We've all struggled and we've all overcome. And it just takes time and patience. And I think in the age of Instagram, when there's so much that we think should happen like tomorrow, like we see people posting, go, man, that's not me. That's not fair. It's like, well, that because it took them five years or, you know, but they, you know, people don't say that on your Instagram. They just say, hey, look how cool I am now. So it's like, it's one of those <laughs> things. Just be patient, but good. I, I thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm glad that you, po- you posted about it because I had no idea about it. And now that I see what it is, I will definitely be jumping on more for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to follow Penny, who's right next to you. Penny's like a mad clubhouser. Like she does all oh, sorts yes. of stuff. Stop, Stop it. Everybody. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so just follow Penny. Penny's uh, one of the people in the know for sure. But hey, actually very cool. Penny, how about you? I know you. Um, welcome to my stage for the first time. You've welcomed me to your stage many times, but welcome. Hi, Paul. How are you guys? Paul is the man, okay? He is <laughs> always dropping gems, like seriously. Like, if you see him in a room, just hop on and just listen to his advice because the shit be real, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, so nice. Um, you know, this is my first time seeing your wife on um on stage because it's always you, Paul. It's yes, yes. He wrangled he me. He's like, you gotta try that. <laughs> yes, he talks about you, so you know. I'm real. Yeah, I know. Yes, it's like, yes, you are. I'm scared of, of technology. So he's just like, you're just going to do this and it's going to be fine. And it's true. It's not as bad as I thought it was. It's, in fact, yeah, it's, it's cool. So I'm like yeah. practicing some ombre brows while listening to you guys. Awesome. It's like multitasking. <laughs> yes. To the audience, guys, click on their clubhouse, which is Lash Cast Inside Club. Click on it, follow it, so that when he does have rooms, you guys will get the notification. Like, I'm so serious. Paul is always dropping gems all the time it's not even funny it's it's sometimes it's not about lash it's just about operating your business and i think i am a pmu artist and that pertains to me too so it's really great advice okay so my question to ivy is i know you guys didn't touch base on like um 
on this, but my question was, I think the audience would be curious too. Like if you did get a bad client, how did you deal with that? Like what if you got receive a bad review? How do you handle that? I think that's definitely something people don't talk about a lot. And I've been fortunate enough to not receive necessarily a bad review, but I will say I did try to give myself a little bit of insurance. I was out of business, right, during COVID for a while. And so I wasn't super confident in myself. I definitely wanted to be humble about my work and make sure I sort of had a satisfaction guarantee, if you will. So for me, for the first few clients, when I was still getting back into my groove in the very beginning, I actually said to them, if there's anything that you notice in your lashes that you feel like maybe we had a miscommunication on the style or the look that you were going for, or you feel like something might have gone wrong and you're having an unreasonable amount of shedding, don't hesitate to text me and please come back to me. Let me know what you're dealing with. I'll answer your questions. And I even offered to touch up their lashes for free if it was within a week and they felt like it, it was truly not up to their satisfaction. And those clients that I actually did that with are still with me six months later and are super, super loyal. And I definitely appreciate them. So I think for dealing with someone who's unsatisfied for me, it's always just about trying to acknowledge whatever it is they're feeling and be very attentive and proactive with that and do what you can, you know, within reason. I think there's those people that might take advantage. I definitely had a few of those that, that just took advantage, but I would say just try trying to, if you have the confidence that you can stand behind your work and say, I know you will be happy and I'm confident you will. And if there's anything you feel like was unsatisfactory, let me know. And that way they felt like they could be open with me about that. I just want to dovetail on that. I didn't say that that is actually such a wonderful trait. Um, one of my favorite quotes is, um, our most unhappy customers are our greatest source of learning. And a lot of times when a customer is not satisfied, many times, you know, women tend to be people pleasers, you know, and sometimes you're not going to say something. It's just easier to go somewhere else and not have to deal with it. But if you invite it, you open the opportunity for dialogue and, and you're indicating that you care because that's essentially all it is. You're just saying, look, if I miss the mark, let me know because I'll take care of you. And it's something that we can solve together. A lot of people don't know that. And so they'll think, oh, that's just the way she does it. I got to go somewhere else. So making the opportunity to hear feedback. First of all, you have to be humble to do it, but it's it's a wonderful building. And it's like, when you do that, the client knows that you care and they will be loyal because it's like, no matter what, you're going to make it right for them. So it's very admirable that you do that. I think we all can learn from you in that way. Thank you. I definitely feel like that was actually something too that LashCon, you know, you guys had touched on that. And mm -hmm. I, I found so much value in a lot of the things you guys shared. And I completely agree with Penny that <laughs> you guys are, are knowledge bombs. And my sort of my whole <laughs> line around LashCon was you guys broke my lash world apart and then put it back together for me. My mind was blown. You guys are the myth busters of lashes. And I absolutely adore your you sharing all of your knowledge. Thank you. That's so generous of you. And I, I really love that quote. It's fantastic. I'm glad that we could be a blessing to you. Be the myth busters of lashes. That'd be cool. We'll, we'll take that one. <laughs> we like um, that. So I have another question. So it's kind of not a question, more like an advice. What would you say to new lash artists? Like what advice would you give them? Because you know, it's hard to like to build clientele. Like for you, even though you were able to move to a new place, location, but you already had the experience from your first. So you kind of knew what you were doing. But for those who are, you know, most of the time, um, people just don't wake up and say, oh, wow, this is my career. Lash is going to be the career I'm going to choose. You know, we're go to, we go to school, college. We're kind of taught to like, basically, you got to go to college. You're going to be a lot doctor, lawyer, you know, stuff like that. Not lash artists. So... They're most likely like working already and trying to transition to become a lash artist. So what advice would you give them? Is does my audio sound okay right now? Am I um yeah. okay. Okay. Yeah, great. I would say for me, one thing I always tried to focus on with my clients was keeping them up to date on 
the things that I was trying to do to improve, whether that be a new training I'm working towards taking or even trying out new products. Of course, I'd be a little bit careful with that because then sometimes, you know, you'll say you tried on new lash glue and they'll say, I don't like that glue. It did not work as well, you know? So mm-hmm. <laughs> I think sharing started the process. And when you feel, make them feel like they're on this journey with you and you are only going to improve from here, even if you don't have maybe as much experience as someone else, if your client feels comfortable with you and can tell that you're making a real effort to improve your services, you know, I'll let people know I'm investing in this new tool or I researched this new technique or Paul and Tess dropped this knowledge bomb and I'm so excited to try something different on you today. You know, they, they really appreciate that and they will stick with you because they feel like you truly care and you're going to put in all of that effort, no matter where you are at and how much experience you have. Even someone who's been doing lashes for five years can get stuck and they refuse to challenge themselves and teach themselves new things. So if you are fresh, but you are willing to learn and willing to improve, I think you'll have a lot of success. No, that's great. I think that's really cool that you invite them into your own journey. That's where they are seeing where you're going, what you're growing, how you're learning. That's not something I've heard people talk about a lot. I mean, we often say don't make a big deal about the certificates because people don't really care. But your clients who are going with you or regular clients with you would get to hear about your journey and last journey. I think that is great. I think that makes total sense and we could really help them watch you blossom as an artist as you learn and grow and do the things. We used to joke that Tessney's room was a lab. We call it the Lash Lab, right? She was always in there like a mad scientist trying new ideas, new things, having me film them, shoot them. And I mean, one of the things we did this last few months is we actually had someone come in a model and we put oil all over one eye and then we put, um, then we put the, no oil in the other eye, and then Tussie applied lashes to both sides, and we watched the, the retention. And surprise, surprise, we haven't shown this video yet, but the lashes were not affected at all by the oil on the lashes. So they both sides lasted for the same amount over that period of time. So anyhow, but that's cool. I think telling people what you're doing, what you're trying, what you're learning is a great idea and can definitely win over, I think, a lot more trust because in the end, that's what you're trading with clients is trust. And that's why I call you the Mythbusters of Lashes. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we'll be sharing that video. I keep forgetting to share, to be honest. We were yes. so excited to do it. I'm like, I got to just sit down, gotta edit it, down. put it together. It just takes a little bit more time than usual. So it's been one of those things in the back burner. But anyhow, thanks. Um, that's really good stuff. Um, Penny, anything else? Anyone else, by the way, you can jump up here right now. If anyone else wants to come in and hang out with us, let's go see you, Mackenzie. Should I share about the sand sanitizer, the little small ring? I think you were in that room when I said that. Go ahead. Who was it? Oh, yeah. I was saying like, you know how you were giving like, basically give like a little um, aftercare kit. I yeah. put a, you know, the little small sand oh, sanitizer. Yeah. 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 You know, during pandemic, hello guys. It's yeah. like everybody wants to be clean and like, they won't forget you. They'll remember that. Oh, mm-hmm. like uh, Ivory gave me this, Penny gave me this. And it's just nice. And then you get the tips back. You know, they oh, always yeah. give good tips. Oh, yeah. Give it all away and the tips will follow for sure. That's something I actually learned in a psychology book is actually if the second you give someone a gift, even, you know, you're giving something away with your service, you actually feel obligated to give something back to that person. So I feel like that helps to really create a great relationship with loyalty when you do give things away. I love that. What's that called? The law of? Of reciprocity. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So like even we just buy um, little chiffon bags and just put the spoolies in that. We hand him a, a little uh, Pellegrino water and it's just like something that's like a small delight. And it's like it feels like something. And it's so true, Ivy. You do. It does make an impact on the tips. It's just a reciprocity kind of thing. Yeah. When we started giving out little San Pellegrinos to everyone on the way out, uh, the, the one I actually wanted to track and see if the tips went up and they actually did. I don't remember how much they went up, but just the fact they were getting this little water up to go on the way out uh, basically made people feel a little bit more obligated to tip a little bit better. And we told our staff, guys, you know, we're going to spend, it was like a dollar or something per bottle. So yes, it costs money, but when they tip better, you know, our staff was happy and we just made sure we're charged enough with our services. So it didn't even matter if we were doing the water or not, we charged enough that we could afford to buy the water in there and we wouldn't be losing money on a service just because of that. I love that. By the way, one other benefit, which I, I appreciate because I am horrible with names and not names, even sometimes faces. And people would be walking out of the building 
carrying the water. And I, I, because I, I wasn't doing lashes, I was running the business. So if I ran the bank or I ran an errand, I'd be walking back and I'd see someone in the parking lot with a green bottle. And if, you know, sometimes I look and go, I, don't, I wonder if that person saw us. The green bottle was a big giveaway. I'd always be like, hey, thanks for coming. And they always like, you know, even if they never seen me before because I wasn't always at the front. I tried to meet everyone and know everyone, but always once in a while there were people getting in and out that I didn't. The fact that I would greet them and wave at them and say, thanks for coming, I think always made them feel like, wow, even that strange guy um, knows that I went to last or integrity yeah. lunch. <laughs> <So> <laughs> well, that, that bottle is a signal, you know. Yeah, it was. It definitely was. So anyhow, very cool. All right. Anything, Ivy, any final words from you before we head off here? Because we should wrap up now. I appreciate everyone hanging out for that last hour and a half. It's been very special. I just really appreciate your guys' time and actually getting to talk to you guys in person a little bit more has been so amazing. And um, definitely, I would always recommend to the audience, I know Penny did this as well, but their podcast is just amazing, not just for lashes, but for business in general. So definitely check that out if you haven't yet. Don't be like me. (laughs) Guys, thanks again. We will see you again next week. Good night, guys. Thanks, guys. Hey guys, that's pretty much it. That's a wrap. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at Lashcast Podcast and at the Last Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my last collaborator, Tusney, as well as our special guest, Ivy, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. Remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.